Okay, competence of a witness means the capability of the witness to give evidence in trial. Okay, how capable someone is to give evidence. While compelability of the witness means the ability of the court to coerce or compel or force the attendance of a witness to court for purposes of giving evidence. Welcome to the Fit and Proper Podcast by DigiLaw, your host, Keyukemi Ubi, and co-host, Ibiri Undibwezi. Hello, and you're welcome to today's episode of the Fit and Proper Podcast. My name is Keyukemi Ubi, and with me today, we have a new co-host, drumroll. Like, She'll be joining us for the first time on the Fit and Proper podcast, and you'll be hearing her voice regularly in some of our episodes. Please welcome a very, yeah. a very hi. How are you? I'm fine. Can you can thank you? How are you too? I'm good. I'm good. So can you just introduce yourself briefly to our audience before we go on to today's topic? Okay, my name is Eberian Dubuze. Um, student of the Nigerian Law School Lagos Campus. I'm glad to be on the show today with. You. Okay. All right. That's good. That's good. So today we'll be talking about trial preparation and evidence. We'll be um, taking a second part, the second part of it. But before we start, Ibra, can you just give us like a brief overview of what trial preparation and evidence is all about? Okay, trial preparation and evidence is basically what happens in court in the process of having a full-blown trial. That is where parties get to call their witnesses to give evidence. You know, tendering evidence so that it would sway the mind of, of the court towards um, ruling in favor of a particular party, depending on the weight to be attached on the evidence called by the party, by the court. All right. So uh, my next question will now be, we'll be talking about, in this episode, we'll be talking about opinion evidence, expert witness, and some other things like that. So what is opinion evidence and expert witness? What are the principles regulating this kind of evidence? Okay, um, as a general rule, opinion evidence is not admissible in evidence. That's opinion, the opinion of, of a particular person. So the, mm. the evidence at which, which is the legislation that takes care of things that happen in the court in terms of evidence prohibits opinion evidence as, as a general rule, okay? But when, when the court needs to form an opinion on certain matters, such as matters of foreign law, customary law and custom, Science, art, handwriting, or even um, finger impressions. Yeah, the opinion of of experts. Yeah, that's people who are who are vast in these areas. That people who have special skill and knowledge in in this field. The opinion of of these people will be admissible. Okay, so generally you can see sections sixty seven to seventy six of the Evidence Act. Okay, now the the counsel that is calling the expert to come and tender his his opinion has a duty to lead evidence to establish the qualification of the expert and the experience that that expert has in that particular field, okay? That is what makes the expert an expert in that field. Okay, so this is to suit the mind of the courts and the imaginary justice scale towards the um, towards believing the opinion to be given by the so-called expert. Okay, so what I'm saying is that when a party calls an expert to to tender evidence in in this case, right? He's meant to lay foundation, basically, like asking the 
expert questions about what his profession is and for how long he has he has practiced that profession, right? So that it would establish that that person is really qualified and has the required skill sets that an expert is meant to have. Now, it, it also behoves on, on the opposing counsel to also leave evidence during cross-examination by asking questions to discredit the expert called by the opposing counsel and his opinion so that the weight to be attached by by the court on the evidence given by that particular expert will be drastically reduced. So that's that about opinion, evidence, mm-hmm. and expert witness. Okay, so what other types of um, special witnesses do we have? Like, for example, I know that there can be children as witnesses, hostile witnesses. What's that all about? Can you just explain it? Okay, regarding a child witness, that's a child that is called as a witness in court to, to give evidence, right? Now, the, the principle that governs this is that when a child is below the age of 14 years, right, he will be allowed to give unsworn evidence, that evidence without being administered on oath or affirmation, that's without the um, registrar of, of the court admit, um, admitting the, the child on oath by giving him a Bible or Quran or Asking him to affirm and saying that's usual, I, so so, and so person, um, yeah. affirm to say the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So that's a regular thing that happens in court whereby witnesses are administered on oath before giving their evidence. A child below the age of 14 years shall not go through that process before giving his evidence. So it is called an unsworn evidence. Okay, but this can only happen if the court is satisfied that the child is possessed of sufficient um, knowledge to understand the questions put to him and that he also understands the duty of speaking the truth. Now, how will the court ascertain this? The court will ascertain this by putting preliminary questions to the child, that's by asking him his name, his age, his school, and all of those things, and see whether the child really understands the questions being put to him and whether the child knows how to answer properly. So that's what the court will do to ascertain. Now, we should also note that the unsworn evidence of a child needs corroboration. That is, it needs another evidence to support it. Especially, okay, this is civil litigation here, but in criminal trials, before an, the, the unsworn evidence of a child and ground conviction has to be corroborated. Now, that's regarding a child that's below 14 years. Now, let's look at when the child is 14 years and above. So, if a child is 14 years and above, he shall be allowed to give evidence on oath or affirmation, okay, that's sworn evidence. Now, okay. that's, that's about child evidence or child witness, sorry. Then, as regards a hostile witness, this is a witness who proves bias against the party calling him or in favor of the opposing party. Ordinarily, you know, um, counsel's witness is meant to help his case by giving favorable testimony that, that would help his, his case, right? But where, where the witness comes to court and start saying things contrary to what they had prepped him to do earlier. Start saying things that favors the case of the opposing party and not the case of the party that is calling him. This shows that the witness has is, is turning hostile against the counsel that called him, right? And where this kind of thing is happening or where where this is the situation, it behoves on the counsel that is examining that witness to apply to the court orally, to make an oral application to the court to declare that witness a hostile witness. Okay, now, this is because normally the counsel that calls a witness is, isn't is meant to cross-examine him. No, he's, 
it's meant to only examine him in chief and then re-examine him. That's after the cross-examination done by the opposing counsel, okay? But where a counsel's witness starts behaving or starts um, acting um, in the light of being a hostile witness, then that counsel will, can make an oral application to the court to declare that witness a hostile witness so that the counsel can proceed to cross-examine him and discredit his person and his evidence under the fire of cross-examination. So that's that about hostile witness. On this, you can see generally sections 230 and 233 of the Evidence Act and the case of Iluano and Chieko. All right. So my next question will now be about um, Sopanias. Um, I hope I pronounced I think that's correct. Sopanias. Then uh, witness summons and statements. What roles do these play in a trial? Uh, so subpoena and witness summons, these are basically means of compelling the attendance of the witness to court, okay, for purposes of giving evidence. As a witness that is not initially part of that trial, right, he's, he's not initially part of the witnesses to be called, but maybe along the line there's, there's need to call him to maybe give evidence, right, whether by way of document or testimony, then there will be need to apply for insurance or subpoena or witness summons. Now, witness summons is usually um, issued by a magistrate court, while a high court can issue either subpoena or witness summons, depending on what the rules of that particular court provides for. Okay? But in most cases, it's usually the it's usually sub, um, subpoena that the high court of the federal capital territory and the high court of Lagos too they usually issue subpoenas. Now, there are, there are three types of subpoena. There's um subpoena ad testificandum, right? Which requires the compelled witness to come and testify. That at testifying to come and testify, okay. And upon giving his testimony or after giving his oral testimony, he will be liable to cross-examination by the opposing counsel. Then there's also subpoena justicum, which requires the compelled witness to come and tender document, okay. Upon which he will not be liable to cross-examination. And then there is subpoena at testificandum et justicum which requires the compelled witness to come and do both. That is, to come and give testimony, that oral testimony, and standard documents, both of them. Now, after doing this, he will be liable to be cross-examined because he has given oral testimony. Now, where, where a party who needs someone who is not part of his case, just as I said earlier, right, to come to court to tender a document or give testimony to help that case to, you know, to do that in furtherance of case, then you can apply to court for subpoena or witness summons, which if granted, you know, it will be sent on the witness in question and it is, it is meant to compel this attendance. Now, failure of a witness to answer to a subpoena, that, that is failure of a witness upon whom subpoena or witness summons is served to come to court to testify or tender document, depending on which it is, it will amount to contempt of court. That is, that witness, that particular person will be in contempt of court and will be mm-hmm. to put in the Okay, so in the light of um, all that you've said so far, when you are tendering evidence to the court, is it possible for you to refresh your memory? You know, people just do control alt, go back, you know, remove the one that they said before and say another one. Or uh, what are the guiding principles um, concerning, um, um, let me say, what you say in court or the witness that you give in court? So can you refresh your memory? Okay, yes. Yes, concerning a witness that is giving evidence in court. Yes, portion to section 239 of the Evidence Act, the counsel can lead a witness who forgets a very vital points during examination to refresh his memory. Okay, now this is usually done by reference to 
a right thing made by him that's made by that witness at the time the, the transaction on which his question happened or so soon thereafter or by reference to a writing made by another person but which that witness had read okay and before this can be done it's, it's usually by an oral application to refer to witnesses in the witnesses memory that the counsel will make an oral application to the court to allow him uh, refresh the witness's memory okay and if the court grants this court grants this the court has to be satisfied that the transaction the question was still fresh in the witness's memory and at the time that writing is made that the writing that the witness wants to refer to, to refresh his memory okay and then counsel can also lead an expert witness because if if you remember a while ago we talked about expert witnesses people that have special skill and knowledge in their field so a counsel can lead an expert witness to refer to a professional treatise that's a professional book or document or yes, any written memorandum to refresh his memory. So that's that about refreshing of memory. So for example, just for example, so you can say that something like for example a statement that somebody gave, although this is not a criminal case, but a statement that somebody wrote to the at the police station can serve as some sort of writing to refresh the memory of the witness. Yes. Anything that is written, any written thing, even if it is on a piece of paper, as long as it is written. It is referred to as treatise, and you can use it. To the what you call the witness can refer to it. But but this doesn't mean that the witness would be given the leverage to read through to read everything out. You know, it is just to look at it and see whether it's to help something click in his brain. Something that that did not click earlier to click in his brain. Yeah, that's that. Alright. So let's talk about like the competence and compatibility of a witness. Uh, what sort level of competence is required of a witness and how compatible is a witness? The okay. competence of a witness means the capability of the witness to give evidence in trial. Okay. How capable someone is to give evidence. While compatibility of the witness means the ability of the court to coerce or compel or force the attendance of a witness to court for purposes of giving evidence. Now, under the Evidence Act, generally every person is a competent witness, that is, every human being is a competent witness, except the court decides that such person is unable to understand questions put to him by reason of maybe young age or extreme old age or infirmity of body or mind. And persons of unsound mind can be competent to give evidence during their lucid moments. Now, we would, not, we would recall that if we've come in contact with anybody that, that is of unsound mind, there are, there are usually times when their head is clear, like they are in lucid moments at intervals. So any person that is of unsound mind can be said to be competent for purposes of giving evidence during this lucid moment. Then, Deaf and dumb persons, they can also give evidence via sign language or in writing, okay, provided that they are able to understand the nature of questions put to them. So on, on this, we can see generally sections 175 and 176 of the Evidence Act. Now, while every compatible witness... Sorry. Okay, yeah, so sorry, Barry, to cut you short. But when you're talking about um, lucid moments of people on sound mind, you're talking about someone who is stark mad, Abby. Talking about people like, for example, people that have Alzheimer's or dementia, where they go in and out. Not only that, stark man that's already working on the streets. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, exactly. Not someone that is totally mad that lives on the streets. No, someone that has um, what is that initiating? <laughs> Alzheimer's or dementia? Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's or dementia. Someone that has dementia. You know that 
that has the um tendency to forget things those those mm-hmm. kind of people due to mental illness okay but not totally mad not someone that is in the psychiatric home all right all right so you can continue okay, so i was saying that um while every compelable witness is a competent witness okay because if if the witness isn't competent in the first place he will not be compelable but not all competent witnesses are compelable now this this means that some people enjoy immunity from court processes they can't even be compelled to come and give evidence in court by subpoena or witness someone or otherwise okay these people include presidents and vice presidents of the federal republic of nigeria governors and deputy governors of states of nigeria by reason of section 308 of the constitution right and foreign diplomats including their spouses their children domestic staff and basically that it is by section 1 sub 1 of the diplomatic privileges act so now this set of people they are competent yes but they are not compelled that means they cannot be compelled to come give evidence but by subpoena or otherwise we should also note that the foreign diplomats they can waive this immunity that is they can elect to come and give evidence in court as compelable witnesses that they can decide to forget that they have they are not compelable right they can elect to come and give evidence in particular matter however the other set of persons i mentioned that's the president the vice president the governor and deputy governors they cannot waive such immunity that they are forever not compelable as as long as they occupy that um, position okay they are not compelable witness although they are competent witnesses i think that brings us to the end of trial preparation and evidence with a baby so it's been great having you actually your first episode as wonderful thank you it's been great being here too okay so to our audience Please fill our feedback forms and let us know the topics you would like us to discuss. You can reach out to us through our social media if you have questions and suggestions. Twitter and Instagram, we are at DigilawNG. Also, you can subscribe to our podcast on Google and Apple Podcasts and give us a good rating on Apple Podcasts. If you use Anchor to listen, you can click the favorite button so you get notified anytime we release a new episode. And if you prefer to send your... um questions via audio you can record the message on anchor and set source and we appreciate your feedback please uh, whenever you see our updates on any platform like share share on whatsapp share on instagram share on twitter and let everybody that is in law school know so that they can you can you can listen we hope you have had a great time today till we meet again i remain your host kkm it will be goodbye oh yes yeah, stay fit and stay proper peace out And that's all for today's episode of the Fit and Proper Podcast, a Digilaw production. For more about Digilaw, you can check out our website at www.digilaw.com.ng. Follow us on social media. On LinkedIn, we are at DGL Africa. On Twitter and Instagram, we are at DigilawNG. The Fit and Proper podcast was hosted by Kiyukemi Ubi and Eberi Unzubuese. The scriptwriter is Kiyukemi Ubi. Production and editing is by Akin Ifayin Agumbiade. While the voiceover is by Fashion Adebi. Until we meet again, stay fit and stay proper.